0: Hello there and welcome to this episode of the You Me and ADHD podcast. Uh, We've just wrapped a classic interview with David Buckingham an employment relations consultant based in Queenstown. Uh, He'll get into that and we dive deep into uh, some of the cases that he's uh, worked with regarding ADHD in the workplace. Great conversation um, that we really only just uh, scratched the surface on so we're definitely going to have David back on uh, the podcast very, very soon. We talk um, about rebranding ADHD. We talk about the implications of ADHD in the workplace. reasonable accommodations that uh, employers could and possibly should be making um, as just a a right and an obligation. We talk about uh, medication. We talk about uh, the implications of uh, disclosing a diagnosis of ADHD. Um, What do we do? We talk about um, discrimination. Um, He dives into a wee bit on micronutrients. Um, All sorts of things. Um, External validation, lots and lots and lots of stuff.
1: I'm fidgeting, and I've deliberately made sure it's outside of camera.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of You, Me and ADHD. I've got a ripper for you today uh, in the form of David Buckingham. He is a Queenstown-based employment relations consultant, proudly ADHD positive. And I think also very proudly, given we've just come out of uh, lockdown here in the South Island, me being in Queenstown, David, and me being in Dunedin, sorry, Queenstown is where. David's based and he has managed to lose 10kg over lockdown, Hooray. which is um, unheard of, I would say, bucking the trend, which, um, you know, trends. pretty much uh, uses part of your name. Hey, David, um, welcome very, uh, welcome along to uh, hey, this great episode. To be here. Yeah, look, um, here. tell us a wee bit about your, your background and, and how you got into what you do and how that relates to um, ADHD.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, I was uh, somebody who didn't quite come to terms with my... ADHD uh, until a little bit later in, in my career. Um, I actually uh, was diagnosed quite quite young, around about 13, by a pediatrician. So we, we knew that it was there. But I, I hadn't quite gone through my own journey of accepting that that was you know, part of who I was mm-hmm. and uh, part of um, something that I can manage and, 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 and accept. Um, there was always a, se- a sense of this is a, um, a deficit Rather than I mean, it's inherent in the in the in the name, which yeah. is really uh, something we might just have to rebrand eventually. Uh, but it was the sense of this something wrong. Um, and as as I progressed uh, through my career, I actually came to terms with the fact that uh, this is just a little bit like a, a different operating system or a different file management system. Mm-hmm. So I come from the computer sales world originally when I came out of my degree. I interestingly did a degree in psychology uh, in my undergrad. Um, but when I, um, when I came in, I went straight into the, the IT sales field. Uh, and, um, you know, if we use the analogy with ADHD, um, when you, you know, computer has a range of different file systems and processes of encoding information and processing information. Uh, And that is, um, you know, it's as diverse as you you get. Mm. So even if you have a different operating system or a different um, storage device, the way that that information is encoded, entered into that system, and then processed is going to be slightly different. And they're all, uh, they've all got their advantages and disadvantages Mm. um, and trade-offs between them. Um, But often those storage systems uh, or that processing processing um, system is uh, designed or fit for a particular purpose. And when we look at the range of different ways that um, brains are wired out in the community there, um, when we think about what's what's what's, what we might call normal, which is just really statistically normal, um, is not necessarily optimized for different tasks. I mean, Anything that is outside, and I know you'd like to talk about the bell curve, anything that is outside of the the, the, the bulk of the, the bell curve, I, ho- I hope our internet connection is still there. Yeah, it's all good. Um, anything that's outside the norm of our bell curve is uh, going to be uh, diverse. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, diver- neurodiversity is a statistical concept. Um, what it doesn't realize, what, what, what often when we have these conversations we don't appreciate is that anything that is particularly outside of the norm, um, may not be mainstream optimised, mm-hmm. but it might be optimised for a particular uh, other set of tasks. Yeah. And so what we need to do is reframe this conversation to mm-hmm. say that what we have is, is, is ADHD uh, um, positive people, is a brain that's optimised for certain processes, for certain tasks, for certain environments, And it's not about whether or not we are good or bad or live in a deficit or not. It's about whether or not our environment is serving us Mm -hmm. and whether our adaptations to our environment uh, is is serving us. And so the frame of the conversation we need to have needs to be totally based upon um, how we adapt to the environment and that we adapt our environment to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I went through a period where uh, I was uh, in the... um, in the IT industry, uh, I hadn't quite um, uh, adapted to um, the organizations that I was working in. I hadn't quite adapted to uh, the uh, tools and, and, and um, processes that those, that those
0: exact things... Um, oh, we've lost audio for a wee oh, here you go, you're bouncing back. Yeah
1: needed in and, and now uh, and organizations that I was working at um, and consequently I found myself um, often looking for a new role or going through the HR process that I really didn't want to be in. Um, it was only a year later uh, that with a bit of perspective and a little bit of understanding in my in my 30s that I was able to uh, identify my role in in those interactions and identify how um, I was able to uh, become a, a whole lot more productive mm. and in contributing uh, in an environment. Um, what I ended up doing um, was uh, tapping into my interest in in employment. I, I supported somebody that was close to me at the time um, through through an employment dispute, uh, and realised that this was a field that I wanted to be involved with.
0: Yeah, what um, what was it about it? That- like, what was what was the um, the the connection there or the thing that made you go, not only am I interested in this, but I could actually add value or, or really, um, yeah. I could, I could be, be good at this. Because in a, in a way, the what yeah. you're talking about is um, you were adapting your operating system, um, and yeah. which um, uh, they're your words, my words are sort of hacking yourself. How do you hack your ADHD? And sure. so what, what was it about that process, supporting um, a, f- a friend that made you go, I, c- I could add value here?
1: Yeah, so this particular situation was where I think there was a real disconnect between the uh, particular person's um, uh, adaptive style to the organisation and the organisation themselves. Uh, but in parallel, um, it had become, it had morphed into something where there was a, 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 a sense of um, bullying um, mm-hmm. uh, amongst uh, amongst that dynamic. Um, so I was seeing how uh, the there was a clash between the characteristics of of the, the person in the organisation, um, and ultimately um, how that person would then um, you know with their interactions with the organisation and their interna- interactions with with their, that organisation mm. nation's organisation. So that organization's interactions with them um, was causing a dynamic that that was just um, particularly unfair, and and it was maladaptive for both, um, and so. What what I started to see was that there was a real sense of injustice, that in today's uh, world, uh, that if you've got a, a staff member that's not performing, it's it, there's a sense that this is a disposable um, resource that mm-hmm. we just simply find someone else. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to fix. Um, we, uh, we, as a society, have a throwaway culture when it comes to anyone who is dissenting or anyone who seems to be outside. Um, the acceptable bounds of what yeah. we would expect.
0: Yeah, Ch- challenge that, that, beyond um, uh, a yeah. manager's ability to, to handle mm. that challenge, isn't it?
1: And and absolutely. And and so what we have now is a society where anyone who may not fit the mould or who might be um, seeing things from a different point of view um, will simply be walked. And um, uh, that that disturbs me because when mm. we see the, the value that they might be um, contributing, uh, and the small changes that we can make in organisations to improve that situation, um, I, I think it's one of our uh, greatest wastes of productivity. You know, New Zealand notoriously has low productivity, uh, and, and I think part of that has been our workplace culture and our um, unwillingness to engage with those that might have diverse thought yeah now um these are broad sweeping generalizations i can hear a few people screaming at the screen saying yeah but we don't do that we we're inclusive in fact we go out of our way and look my head is off to you you're watching the adhd uh, um, uh, uh, podcast here you're probably um, you know this is what I'd say to the audience uh, you're probably uh, actually a bit ahead of the curve and actually yeah. doing the right thing so you know welcome to have you on board but we're talking about, That's right, we're talking about those other HR departments or those other people um, yeah absolutely and so I do want to pick up on the today. yeah absolutely
0: no, I think there's one point that you, you, you made there David was um, you mentioned injustice and I think if uh, if Anything, or it's certain. Certainly, one of the main features that I'm finding of um, my growing network of ADHD positive professionals is that we have a very high sort of justice threshold, right? And justice um, mechanism. Absol- mm-hmm. Absolutely, right. And and a sense mm-hmm. of what is unjust, and um, mm-hmm. a- and uh, that gets triggered very, very quickly and very easily. And you absolutely. can see people fly off the handle. Um, but actually, absolutely. it's just it's a response to. This isn't right, yeah. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
1: Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. I think that that's something that I've come across as well, and I can see in myself. Um, and it's something that we do have to um, temper to, you know, and be mm-hmm. pragmatic around. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if we're looking for, you know, we, we also have the trade of wanting to be idealistic. And um, what I've what I tend to do is pull back that professionalism, uh, so that professional the, the professionalism stays um but the uh the perfectionism has to be pulled back as well yeah and say that you know we um we're not looking for unrelenting standards and, and that actually if we're looking for the if we're looking at one single trait that i think holds people back uh to actually make a step or make uh, some growth uh in in their life it's this expectation that I'm going to do everything right before i even start yeah and um and they, they just can't, you know, unrelenting standards is really the lowest standard of all because it means mm-hmm. we don't start.
0: That's and so real.
1: Learning, it's, it's it's getting started and getting growing. Yep. Yeah. Um, but in terms of this justice mechanism, um, when I advise employees, uh, the, the framework I use is that we're looking for a resolution of the, the conflict at the minimal effective dose. You know, when you take a medicine, if you take too much, it to can make you sick take the wrong medicine that's going to make you sick. And there are times when, you know, we can become so blinded to the sense of we've got to be right. Um, that actually, uh, um, we've got to look at what's pragmatic and what's, yeah. what's within our resources and, and know that, you know, there's a, there's a certain battle that's ours. And there's a certain battle that's not ours. But mm-hmm. I say, look for a sense of justice at the minimal effective dose. What is it going yep. to be to get closure on a dispute that you have? And then, uh, and then I say, when it comes to an employment matter, um, so for example, if you've got an employee who's had an unfair situation at work or perceived to be unfair, mm-hmm. uh, my second part of that is to have a, is to create a compelling future, and you need both. Mm-hmm. You absolutely need both. I'll give you a story from a client that I had earlier this year. I'm going to um, strip some of the detail from it, okay. um, but I can give you the themes. Uh, the theme was that this person worked in. Um, we'll say that they worked outdoors in. Um, um, I mean, it's, it's one of those industries that could be identified so quickly that I could actually. I just have to vague it up a little bit. All right. Um, they worked out. De- they worked out. De- they worked outdoors in some form of infrastructure, um, with their hands, and they worked as part of a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, regularly would refuse overtime. That was their complaint. Um, and they said, "Well, I want to. Um, I, I just need to be able to do my job." And I said, "Well, actually, there are remedies there. The, um, uh, there are remedies where we can say that you know you've got X number of hours in your contract. You don't want to work any more than that. That's actually fine from a legal perspective." Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, "Well, look, you know, we can we can rein this in. We can we can start working on that. But in the long game, we need to actually look at whether or not this is the right role for you." Um, i spent a lot of time talking around this guy i'm pretty convinced this guy was adhd or has adhd Um, but in the end i said to him so you know what else do you do?" and it turns out that this person worked as a paramedic somewhere um uh, and um during their time as a volunteer i said so what happens when you're you're coming up to the end of your shift and you're um you're, you're managing a motor vehicle accident and there's you know, some serious uh, injuries going on. And he said, Oh, it's different. And I said, but how often does that happen? All the time. And you've been saying you want to get back to your family. You've been saying to me yeah. that you actually want to um, reduce the hours and you really just don't want to be at this job any more than you have to be. But when it comes to a volunteer role, uh, you're fully engaged. Mm. You know, you, you got excited about how he said, I would jump inside the vehicle, and I'd be talking through a child victim about the fact that they were stuck, and how um, you know we were coaching them through emotionally about mm. how they were going to get out of this wreckage, and how they, um, you know, they they were they were inside the vehicle while this car was being cut open by the fire brigade. Yeah. Um, and this guy this this guy lived for that, um, and he found that incredibly rewarding. Yeah. So I took a pause, and I says, Luke, I want you to do uh a careers test. Uh I got him onto the careers.govt.nz website. There's a career quest uh questionnaire. I think it's about 78 questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did this actually with my son just the other day. He's he's nearly 10. Um, and uh, I was quite delighted. He came up with surgeons. So you know this is cool.
2: Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> but he said, yeah, so that was great. Um, he I I got this I got this client of mine to go through and do this questionnaire. Uh, it's a questionnaire that asks, um, you know, I like working with uh, chemicals. I like working with, you know, talking to other people. I like driving heavy machinery. Um, they're, they're pretty bland kind of questions, um, but they surprisingly work. Yeah. And so after uh, the answers, it's forced choice. You know, it's one through to I think four. I really uh, one through to four, one through to five. I really like this. I really don't. Or I'm neutral. So at the end of this questionnaire, um, they were all medical jobs and one of the very first jobs was registered nurse mm-hmm. i said so you've got this job registered nurse uh, this was on the friday when i met this guy we spent a bit of time with him and on the friday you know he was quite adamant he wasn't going to quit his job he wasn't interested in, in an exit package he didn't want to leave this you know he just wanted to make this uh, employer uh, you know allow him to work to the contract which mm-hmm. is what he had signed up for and what he had anticipated so we get to the end of this question here and has got registered nurse and he jumps up and he says i've been wanting to do that for um all my life i've always wanted to be a pediatric nurse and said what the hell are you doing in the job like you you get lit up by talking about this you specifically wanted to be dealing in these situations mm-hmm. whenever i hear you talk about this you get so passionate and and so he um he eventually uh, um you know, eventually went in and um, uh, over the weekend had to think about it you know, this guy was about 32 um, and he said to me, oh, well, I'm too old. Come on. You know, let's be honest, 32 is not a late stage to be making a change. He's he's actually probably at that perfect stage.
0: Yeah. Um, and with enough life experience money, he as says, well.
1: You know what? Enough life experience. Absolutely. In fact, ideal. Yeah. Um, and he says, look, I've made the inquiries. Uh, I called the, the um, institution in my local area this morning, and um, I'm in the process of enrolling. <laughs> I mean, that, and then what we were able to do was actually to move him on. So I think that in, in, in looking at disputes, especially in employment context, as an employee, um, you're looking really for two um, things that must come hand in hand. You see, my starting point is I studied psychology. I did do law, uh, some mm. law papers. At, you know, I, I started my law degree. Um, but I I know that with my, um, mm. you know, if we're just coming full circle to this story, um, one of the things that we did with, uh, you know, did during my degree was really uh, dive down on people. And so the way that I look at clients when they have a dispute is the starting point is what's in the interest of this client. Yeah. Let's look at that whole person and let's wrap some support around them because you can do the legal. You know, you can be an advocate, you can do the legal. And I think it was a lot of, people out there who, rather than me being an advocate or a lawyer, um, or, or they're, they're an advocate that's purely based upon, uh, their, um, uh, based upon their, their, their legal mm. training, mm-hmm. uh, and then forgetting that actually you've got to look at this as a system. You've got to yeah. be asking the questions about uh, this whole person, the personality traits of this person, the, yeah. the, dr- the dreams, the desires, and so on, and you've got to widen that out. You've actually got to do that across a range of just different jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, family law uh, has tended to look at look at family law problems as a family law situation without actually addressing the underlying issues. Yeah. Hey, you know, go talk to a social worker, go talk to a counsellor, and best of luck with that and let me know if you need anything yeah. else. Here's my, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a protection order, but um, yeah, let's not actually drill down too much.
0: What, what, I li- sense of well, well, what I like about that um, story, and it does come back uh, a yeah. wee bit to that as well, and sorry to cut you off, David, and I will mm. let you finish around that um, sense of justice, but what I like about the story is that that person, um, like it's so ADHD, because the person needed, had a hunch, um, had a quiet passion, uh, yeah. it was... Um, was able to, um, I guess, feed some of that um, passion or keep it at bay with some volunteer Mm. work, but um, needed Mm. the external validation of a... A questionnaire. You pointing them in the right direction, and um, for um, that hunch and that passion to be mm-hmm. validated, um, you'd be you'd Absolutely. you'd be great as a nurse. All right, and then there's that impulsive action. It's like it says this. I've always wanted to do this. This has given da- me permission. Uh, yep, I'm out. We're doing this. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. And, like into it. Absolutely, that's magic. I love it. And
1: and we we're able to you know we settled that matter and moved on. Yeah. Um, and, and and that and it usually involves confidentiality and all that kind of thing, which is why unfortunately I have to vague a lot of these stories out. Oh, that's cool. Um I'd that's, love that's to useful. tell you the detail but I can't. But yeah. And so so with the um with that sense of justice we have this this exacting standard, but we've got to be able to work outside of what do I really want in this? Mm. What's my actual goal? Mm-hmm. Because for example, you know, you can have a um, you know employer that makes a mistake, and sometimes they they do. In fact, I wouldn't have a job if they didn't. Um, but <laughs> you know, if, as do employees, by the way, um, as do employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, but we need to um, be able to actually say, well, what is it actually our goal? What does satisfaction look like? What does the resolution of this problem look like? And it's such a great question for HR to be asking their yeah. employees. Mm-hmm. And it's a great question for employees to be asking themselves. What will actually satisfy us.
0: Yeah, tell, um, tell so, me what, yeah. what's your take David on um, should people with ADHD, uh, especially so if they have um, a confirmed diagnosis, should they declare mm. or divulge that to an employer?
1: It's a question of ju- uh, judgment in that situation um, and in my view uh, it, it is such a freeing thing to be able to disclose to a receptive audience mm. there's an important statement there a receptive audience, and so there will be environments where that is something that you should disclose and that you should uh, be upfront with and have that conversation with. Mm-hmm. There's no duty to disclose it um, in New Zealand law, and there is actually under New Zealand law uh, a duty of the employer not to discriminate on that basis and to make reasonable accommodations. But that said, I think that we need to make judgment in certain circumstances as to. Um, whether that uh, is something that is going to be received well, mm-hmm. um, there are uh, employers that I mean, I've got one employer that I, I'm taking to task at the moment, where I'm mm-hmm. instructed that when that employee disclosed that he had ADHD and that was affecting his work, the response was, "Well, it's no excuse." Now, those are my instructions. I mm. wasn't there, mm-hmm. um, and that's a real, it's a really sad thing to see.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, it, it'll be, it will really depend on. Um, it, you know each person's judgment as to how that's going to be received because there will be people like us who will be okay that's great let's just talk about accommodations if i get a disclosure of mm. any um any condition at all um then you know my real con- my real conversation is going to be okay well that's fine well let's figure out um if there's ways that I can adjust the um, the organisation, you know, the the, the organisation or
0: my processes, that
1: Wait, which is that work the conversation. Like?
0: Yeah, so that's that's about how yeah, can we help you be your best, um, and that's what those accommodations are about. silent. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Look, if you look at me and you look at you, unless you've got a, quite a bit of training and that you know quite a lot about um, psychology, then you won't spot it. You know, you might meet you, or might meet me. Unless you're wearing a millet. t-shirt. But, well, you might wear a t-shirt, <laughs> but then if it, my mentor is blind, and a really productive guy does a huge amount of um, uh, a huge amount of advocacy. Incredible contributor to the to society. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody I deeply admire. Uh, Kevin is is blind. Now, if I go and take him anywhere. very obvious that he's blind you know there's no question as to his disability Mm. and there's no question as to the accommodations yeah but let's say for example that we have somebody with adhd those are behavioral they're cognitive uh you know how do you describe to somebody that you have a a a dopamine deficiency in the prefrontal neocortex of your brain and what the implications of that will be Mm. most people don't even know we have a prefrontal neocortex most people don't really know what dopamine does and they probably won't understand the, what executive functioning involves and what the implications of
0: that—it's
1: no. just not contemplated. Mm-hmm. And and you know, understandably, I'm not expecting that the world needs to accommodate um, every person all of the time. Um, but it's something that, for the right receptive audience, absolutely, um, there are going to be switched-on HR practitioners, going to be great bosses who are going to go, "Oh, yep, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, you know, I've got a friend's son's got it, and I know a little bit about that. Um, you let me know. You know, let's have a conversation about what we need." The, the flip side to that, of course, is it's really about being able to communicate what our, what our rider is. Now, a rider is when the rock star goes to the concert and they've got a long list of of, of things that they need. You've got your technical rider and you've got your, um, you've really just got your um, uh, your fun rider, if you will. So yeah. uh, one of the, you know, one of the most famous is, you know, a big bowl of uh, blue m um, you know, sort of thing. Um, so we need to have a really clear view the first starting point for us is to have this self-knowledge. Know what, what do we need, mm. and actually communicate those needs. Mm-hmm. Um, because if there are simple adaptations that can be made for a range of disabilities, uh, that are you know we can think of the physical ones, a wheelchair ramp, um, you know a desk that is of a certain height. Um, You know, we can talk about that in terms of physical disabilities that we might need a computer that's got a larger screen or it's got some screen reading software or or a whole range of things that are really obvious Um, and we wouldn't dare uh, 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 want to discriminate against somebody who's got such an obvious
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: disability. But then, you know, oh, a person's got diabetes. Hey, look, I need to take my lunch at 12, even if I eat a piece of fruit and get back to the um, back to the desk. At 12 o'clock, I need to go and take five minutes out to go to the bathroom. I don't have diabetes. I'm just giving an example. Mm. But with ADHD, um, I think that because we're still in the early phase of acceptance and of, of communicating who we are, that there's a real struggle for us to um, – even know what we need. Mm. And so, our starting point is actually not just to communicate ADHD, it's actually to say, well, what does that mean? Um,
0: yeah. Because
1: a lot of people will have a range of beliefs about what ADHD is, mm-hmm. and it's different for everybody.
0: And a lot, I think a lot of those um, beliefs, uh, some of them are myths, some of them are very real and valid, some of them are blown out of proportion. Um, mm-hmm. I think the focus is on um, the negatives rather than the, the positives that um, we have Absolutely. and can display. So where do you, where do you sit um, in terms of, say, medication? So for example, if, you, if you're blind, like you say, you have a yep. clear, um, it is obvious, um, what mm. the disability is, and you can't take medication for that, right? Um, however, there is um, some part. Some people have the option of taking medication for their ADHD. Now, does that then remove um, an employer's um, <clears throat> uh, requirement or obligation to make those reasonable adjustments, or is it purely and is it purely on the individual to um, to to manage that? Um, and what if they get prescribed medication and choose not to take it?
1: So medication is a, uh, a personal choice. And I support people's right to both access that medicine and to be able to say no to it. So that's my starting point is personal autonomy. Um, what we know is, is that actually medication overall is is really effective at helping people to manage the symptoms. Um, and so anyone out there who's right on the verge of, of do, I, do I take medicine or not? I would strongly encourage them to explore it and try it, and, and work out um, in conjunction with their with their um, professionals um, w- what's right for them. Yeah. Um, but I, I look the New Zealand uh, sorry the uh, the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act you know says that we've got the right to refuse treatment. The Human Rights Act uh, in an employment uh, context. Uh, uh, actually makes it unlawful for an employer to discriminate on the basis of our ADHD
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and on our, um, um, you know, medical treatment status. So uh, an employer in this context cannot force us to to take a medicine. Now, this is actually an interesting debate that we're having in society at the moment around the vaccine rollout for yeah. COVID. Um, and I think that in that particular situation, that's quite a distinct... Um, Argument—it's uh, not something that I want to, to to go down too much, but um, there is still um, the, the overriding principle: is actually we have the right to say no to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm fully vaccinated; I have two Pfizer shots. Um, and but it, ultimately, it's not right for everybody, whether that's their belief system or whether that's their um, uh, whether that's their uh, um, personal beliefs. Um, but there's a oh, sorry the medical the medical situation but the right to say no is very important to me yeah. um because autonomy matters but in terms of the in terms of an employer starting down the track of um requiring an employee to take medication um i would consider that to be a, a very serious um crossing of the line yeah. in my view um and in one that is uh, not really appropriate they're not unless they're in fact, even if they are qualified, it's not their position to do so. Um, I haven't been in that situation, but in but in terms of medicine, um, there's a range of different treatments for ADHD. Medicine is is, is often very very effective, mm. but does it bring us back? You know, does it take away who we are? Mm. Does it take away that divergent thought? You know, you wouldn't want to. Um, fundamentally, ADHD actually comes with some huge benefits: yeah. the ability to have uh, really quite quick switching. Um, of, of thought processes to be able to a, to synthesise vast amounts of information in a very quick amount of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's the ability to connect complex dots in an environment. I mean, these are things which I remember. One person, uh, I remember seeing one one person's commentary on this where uh, they were talking about the benefits of ADHD and entrepreneurship. And apparently, this audience member for this for this gentleman uh, came up to um, to the presenter and said, "Well." the, the the speaker and said, "Well, I don't have ADHD. Can I still be um, successful as an entrepreneur?" <laughs> um,
2: I May- mean, I, maybe. I, I, I,
1: yeah, maybe. You know, um, but I, it's it, there's there's so many traits that actually allow us to be able to look at things in so many different ways mm. um, that it's simply different. It's a different file system, and uh, you know, we we simply need to build a team around us that you know, if there's things that we don't particularly like doing or that we're not organized in.
0: I agree. uh, Just like anyone
1: else, as self-awareness, if we look at the most important trait for a person's success, it's self-awareness. Yeah. And we're going to have things that we're going to excel at as people who have ADHD. And we're going to have things that we need to build a team around. Mm. But actually, the same thing happens with everybody. You know, there'll be people watching who are introverted. And there will be, you know, and there might be entrepreneurs and introverted or professionals that are introverted, and they'll build a team around them that are quite comfortable having those conversations yeah. on the Um Every, You know, there'll be people who, you know, I I, I, mean, I I, often think about people as either really preferring language or really preferring maths. And those that um, do both, or they're weirdos, that, um, <laughs> the, Don't I, they exist, they? exist <laughs> but they're weirdos, right? Yeah, it's the odd one out there. Um, but you're have kind of one you i sort of see the kind of really dominant in one or the other yeah um and so it, we we need to take away this deficit model and this medical model of it being something that is is somehow a bad thing
0: i love this um, because you're looping you're looping back so you um very early on in this conversation david you talked about rebranding adhd what would you rebrand it to or or or, or what would you highlight um in terms of if you were to give it a new a new name, a new label. That's
1: such a great question. I think that's such a great question. Um, I think I think one one of the things we've got to be really mindful of is that I want to be able to create that in a positive way, um, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that there are some accommodations that are really useful. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is still a little bit of deficit in there. There's oh, yeah. still a little. There is still moments when you know if we could switch it off, we would. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so um that's a great one. I'm gonna come back to that. I yeah, think go on this, I think by the end of this we will let's let's workshop that. Let's get that well, in our unconscious let's do that because let's I park think that. Um, let's, let's park that. I think we could. Well you talked about human you know Talk Comments. People can start talking about that. They yeah. can. Yep. Yes. Yeah, maybe in the comments people can actually do
0: that and I think if people um, want to uh, get in touch and give us some um, a rebrand uh, give us some names I'm talking in a couple of weeks time with Dr. Ned Hallowell, um, who wrote a book maybe 20 years ago about uh, ADHD, um, a pinnacle book, and he's um, just earlier this year um, re released or released a new version called ADHD 2.0, where he rebrands it as. as vast V A S T, which is um, mm. variable attention stimulus trait, which I think is still really clunky, but is certainly a lot better than attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Mm. Um, and Absolutely. he's he's he acknowledges, like you do, that there are definitely deficits, but uh, mm. the the positives far outweigh that. We've just focused as as a society, as um, educators, as employers, on um, on on the deficit and what can go wrong um, and what's hard. and and so I, I take um, methylphenidate, uh, Rubifen, um and yes. it and I I don't take it every day and I don't take it on days when I'm delivering certain um, things or um, need to need to be genuinely myself, which is um, very much uh, interactive and and aware of what's going on because what I find is it does dumb down some of my, uh, senses I don't feel like me and a lot of the work that I do I really need to be like my, my state really mm. matters. Um, and it absolutely it certainly um, it allows me to f- um, not so much focus but uh, mm. some of the some of the distraction is taken away and there's a there's a yes. big difference between being distracted and being able to focus. Uh, mm. but it also dumbs down that creativity and I understand um, what you're saying and the quick um like the uh, and the uh, shoot from the hip sort of thing and you mm. know I, I just don't i don't like that um it, it just doesn't feel uh, feel like me however um, mm. when I do take it for days when I need to concentrate uh, it's magic mm. and I certainly notice Absolutely. notice the difference
1: oh look i, I, I I've, I've tried everything in the pharmacy you know, I literally tried everything <laughs> in the pharmacy. And in fact, um I can go further than that because I was part of a Canterbury University study into micronutrients as a treatment for ADHD. I was a participant oh, yeah. in that study. Tell us about that. Um So um the, uh, the the theory went that um if you had a broad base of of uh, nutrient micronutrients in very, very high doses that it would uh that it would that it would assist. Mm-hmm. Um I found some improvements, um, and and I did notice that that it helped. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was um, uh, I think the study actually did get published in a t one journal and did find a st- statistically significant result.
2: Wow. Um,
1: my personal view, uh, however, is that um, you know the stimulant medication is quick, it's fast, and it works. Mm. Um, so it, it is incredibly helpful. Um, and unlike you, uh, you know, take it on the days when I feel that's adaptive and I try not to um, or just simply don't. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's actually really interesting. One of the biggest criticisms is that it's somehow addictive, and it's actually really funny because, um, uh, you know, as somebody with ADHD, we tend to forget things on occasion and… Yeah. Um, occasion? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's being polite. We use them. <laughs> Let's talk about euphemisms here. Yeah. Um, there are times when we use we, we, we use lots of systems to remember things and mm-hmm. processes to remember things and to create order in our lives. Um, and one of the things that is actually really interesting with, um, you know, this idea that it's addictive is, you know, if it's so bloody addictive, why the hell do we always forget to take the medicine?
0: Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and when it's right in front of our face and we just don't see it. Yeah. yeah. So actually, I, yeah, I look. I mean,
1: I, I, I think it's, um, it's 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 really helpful because when you actually, what is ADHD? It's a, it's a deficiency in the prefrontal neocortex of dopamine, the prefrontal neocortex of the brain. A lot of their behaviour is actually to compensate for the fact we haven't got enough. To, so prefrontal okay. neocortex right here, mm-hmm. this pre this bit here, it's a thinking about thinking. It's metacognition. It's a self regulation. Um, it's yeah you now I'm messing up my hair it's a it's self-regulation it's our ability to um, st- to to manage ourselves mm-hmm. now those now those um uh those those things are all regulated by uh, something called dopamine and we just don't have enough of it mm-hmm. it's why we get too much we drink too much coca-cola energy drinks and then we go to the other extreme we have too much and then we crash yeah so you know realistically it's about uh, you know the um uh, these medicines that you're talking about, which are the stimulant class, methylphenidate, dexamphetamine, um, the other brand names out there, we uh, other variations of mm-hmm. brand names out there, um, but they all do one thing, which is create L-dopa, which is a precursor to, um, to dopamine yep. in that part of the brain. By the way, I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. Go get your own. Yeah. Um. I'm giving you a summary. Um. But uh. You know. I and mean, if they say something different, then then go by what they say. But essentially, we, we, we are doing this um to uh, lift it up, lift up those levels. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's pretty instant instant hit. Uh. 20 minutes and it's working. But what it's doing is, is that it's creating a, an equilibrium. Yeah. So that's So that we're exactly able right. to have that. calm. And uh, but that said, you know, there are other times when actually having that deficit and then having to compensate for that deficit is the basis of a lot of our creativity. Yeah. And this huge relationship between ADHD and creativity, there's the there's there's a whole it's, it's again it, it trait is when we talk about and I really like what what um, Edith Powell talks about with with traits. Um, by the way. Uh, and he's been talking about that for a while where mm. he puts that into the sphere of personality rather than in the sphere of um, of the medical model or an abnormal psychology model or psychiatry model. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's actually in many ways correct. I mean biological differences and levels of of of, of um, uh, extroversion are biological. So your uh, extroversion introversion, which is probably one of the most biologically marked, Personality traits as part of the Big Five personality cluster. Mm-hmm. When you look at that particular trait, there's really two systems. There's your extroversion, which is which is essentially an activation system, and you've got your introversion, which mm-hmm. is an inhibition system. They're working, you know, almost like as a brake and an accelerator. And, um, we wouldn't dare say that introverts, uh, uh, you know, somehow are abnormal or that extroverts are somehow abnormal. What we tend to do with that spectrum, and, and it is a spectrum because we put those those two together as a cluster, uh-huh. is that we say that it's a continuum and that it's adaptive or it's not adaptive. Yep. So, you know, we might not put um, the extreme introvert uh, into a role where they are doing one-to-one sales back-to-back in the field. Yeah. We may, however, um, not also um, put an extrovert who likes to be around people all the time in a computer science laboratory, mm-hmm. and, and lock them up for a few hours, and just bring them out occasionally yeah. to have the odd conversation.
0: However, I mean, you can, adaptive. yeah, but you, you can to... act out of um, type, right? And you can behave um, in yes. ways that are opposite to what you are, um, so I guess, biologically mm. um, predisposed. And that's the mm. same with ADHD. It takes effort, right? Mm. Which is why yes. um, the masking um, of yeah traits and symptoms and behaviours and desires um, and um, distractions. Um, Like it all takes a lot of mental and sometimes physical uh, energy Mm. and also behaving in ways that other people, or we think other people expect us to behave as well. That takes a hell of a lot um, of energy. I'm so glad you're
1: talking about this. So what you're talking about is how people, with people acting out of time, you see that and we use an analogy. Take the introvert, Mm -hmm. the introvert who gets really good at public speaking, who gets good at at, uh, managing social interactions because they plan for it. And as people with ADHD, and let's call it a trait because it's how I see it. Mm -hmm. If we have an ADHD trait uh, and we have that that cluster, we actually have the capacity to go to the other extreme and where we start planning those things, where we start creating adaptive strategies uh, and they often take a huge toll on us. I mean, most of the time, if you looked at my desk here, you looked at my practice, you wouldn't realize that I had ADHD. Uh, most of the time, people talk, talking to me wouldn't have a clue because I've actually gone out of my way to create enormous amounts of structure, strategy, mm-hmm. and organization to mm-hmm. make this happen. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't take an enormous personal toll on me. Um, and, uh, and and so ultimately, I have to you know, get support to be able to um, maybe get others to do the things that I don't want to do. Yep. Um, but you're right, people are creating their counter strategy to deal with that. Mm. Um, and that is that, that often creates the most beautiful pearls. You know, we think about the oyster that creates these pearls. It's a tiny little piece of sand inside the oyster. And, and as time passes, the oyster creates this this pearl that becomes so spectacular
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so beautiful. And it was actually a compensation to pain was a compensation to uh, an agitation. So our um, our coping strategies, and you know, often are the most spectacular things that we create. And you mm. see that across the spectrum of uh, of, 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 of other conditions, where um, the person who becomes blind, for example, where their brain rewires. That um, so, just give you some brain um, brain background. Um, the very back of our brain is that visual cortex. Uh, it's a very large area. It's probably one of the biggest areas of our brain. It um, takes up massive real estate, huge resource to process the visual information mm-hmm. that we have. If you lose your sight, it's not being stimulated. And the rest of the brain uh, will actually start to uh, march into that territory and set up camp.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it starts using those regions to be able to process sound. You start finding an MRI of somebody who is blind uh, or will 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 start showing that uh, their, their sound is being processed in the visual cortex. They'll mm-hmm. find that their uh, sensory experiences are being uh, processed in there. So you'll find that somebody who is blind, for example, will suddenly have incredible geospatial abilities. Yeah. They'll start to have incredible physical um, sensations where they can make distinctions between uh, physical sensations that we just don't. Um, the hearing becomes incredibly acute mm-hmm. because there's more regions of the brain processing more information
0: yeah, and right. becoming
1: more dependent. There's not a distraction. So our brains have an infinite ability to rewire. We have an infinite ability to um, learn how to manage our own attention. And, and some with ADHD actually start to have pretty superhero powers mm-hmm. about um, through their adaptations where they become so aware of their attention. They become so aware of their environment that their performance actually outpaces those that don't have it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's like we almost in their childhood have a real disadvantage. But as adults, as we navigate through it, it can become, um, you know, the other extreme where performance outstrips what we would have had if we didn't
2: have it.
0: Mm. And that's similar to um, to the child at school who gets bored because um, the stimulus isn't Um, Isn't there and so they um, fidget or become disruptive or their brain is working quicker and they've got the answer quicker And so they shout that out because they just can't wait and also because they know That in a couple of seconds if not quicker that thought is going to go and so it has to go we've got to fire that out And so as we grow into um, Adults, I think similar behavior like we we learn to mask and hide and um, even um, control and manage uh, Mm. those um, desires mm. and, and that need, mm-hmm. but also um, what what we're doing is we're dampening down an innate trait and, and some abilities as well that we mm. are told are unprofessional, are childlike, um, which could actually so I'm really fidgeting. benefit.
1: I'm yeah. fidgeting and I've deliberately made sure it's outside of camera.
0: Right. Okay, so, so I, I, mean, I play with this wire, this I've got drumsticks behind me and a drum pad that I um, tap with when I'm uh, coaching, I wear beads simply so I can play with some stuff, um, all sorts of um, things, like it's ways yeah, of absolutely. managing, but you're right, so it's it's away from the camera, and that's what we're doing, is we're constantly showing yeah. Um, yeah. showing people how we want to present and how we believe that others need to see us however behind the scenes you don't know what it looks like behind my camera I know you've um, got a nice tidy (laughs) workspace but you know there's well I have today well you there we go okay but and we but we go through bouts of that don't we so I think part of the conversation is that um and we'll wrap up uh soon David but I think part of the conversation is that um if you have if you've Feel and recognise that the culture is one, and the leader or manager is a person who is open to um, nurturing you as a person. Then disclose. Um, I would probably say if you don't, if you feel that's not that place, then then don't don't go there. Don't start. Um, however, it's definitely a conversation, right? And it's two way. Like, mm. can um, are people willing to make accommodations to that enable you? Uh, to be your best self And are you willing to um, to manage the things that about yourself that may get in the way, but also be open to amplifying the stuff um, that allows you to be, be who you are. yeah. and so yeah, it comes back to your your call of um, self-awareness is absolute key. We've got to get to know ourselves a lot yeah. better.
1: One of the things that actually for another podcast uh, is, around how do you manage the situation when you are under, you're either performance managing somebody with ADHD Mm -hmm. or you're performance managed, you are being performance managed or you're supporting someone who's being performance managed. So that's definitely, uh, if you are uh, in that situation, uh, that's definitely a time to reach out to me urgently mm-hmm. uh, there are um, there are some real dynamics that are, are a whole podcast worth yeah so the, the key thing is that um, when somebody is being performance managed who happens to have ADHD or if you are an employee being um, performance managed, in the workplace and you have ADHD, it's definitely the time to reach out urgently. Um, there are some really clear laws uh, that are starting to emerge that uh, a person's ADHD needs to be accommodated in the way that performance management takes place. Um, one of my concerns is that uh, performance manage- traditional tr- performance management uh, actually exacerbates um, ADHD symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some interventions that we can do that can pull that back. Um, so there is need for um, you know, for example, we're thinking about you know sort of some chronic lateness and a little bit of disorganisation. Traditional approaches to say this is performance management, but they are the symptoms of a, a medical condition. Mm. Uh, and to treat somebody differently because of their medical c- condition is, I- especially if it's in a disciplinary or a, a performance management environment is actually um, un- inappropriate in my view. Uh, a better approach is really to say, well, look, let's look at the underlying causes. And there's there's actually two cases I can point to, uh, OPI and Police. And I'll get this one. It's it's actually written down FGH and RST. Um, this parties are suppressed, so it's a combination of letters. But uh, uh, FGH and RST I always have to look at that. Um, have have really discussed uh, where a person's either ADHD or their their wider. Um, you know, symptoms uh, need to be explored Mm -hmm. to look at the underlying causes of performance. And that's really a leading um, consideration um, that we need to go and explore in in great detail Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, ADHD gone wrong in the workplace. It's not really a topic we like to talk about, but It's real, it's in my industry. Um, But in the meantime, you just need to reach out to me if that's the situation you find yourself in.
0: So how can people get in touch with you, David? Where do we find you? And if people want to um, talk to you about a um, specific issue or just find out about uh, the work that you do, where do we find you?
1: Absolutely, currently rebranding. So our current website is www.queenstownadvocate.co.nz. Um, and you can reach me there. If I've rebranded by the time you watch this, um, you will um, be able to redirect from that website. Uh, you're welcome to give me a call, email. Uh, I'm pretty responsive, so, uh, and we can organise a time. Um, I don't mind where you are in the country or around the world. You can call if you just want to have a chat. Um, but yeah, pretty accessible, and uh, would love to hear from
0: you. Brilliant. Hey, David, thank you so much for your time on the podcast today. It's been fascinating. Um, like I say, we're definitely going to get you uh, back on again. Would be great to um to. ...to chat deeper um, and delve further into uh, some of that uh, case law... ...and um, specific examples that you've um, worked with... ...and give us a bit of an update on what's been going on in in a few months' time. Uh, But look, again, thank you so much, this has been uh, invaluable. I think um, our watchers and listeners uh, are going to get a lot out of this. And um, I really appreciate uh, your time and how candid you've been as well. But also, um, what's very clear is you're you're really personable, and I love your. Um your, uh, well, no, it's great because I think the point is to be able to relate uh, to someone and a smiling face and someone who has lots of anecdotes and stories in order to tell something a different way is really, really relatable and that's um, that's, that's come through uh, here on camera and in the previous conversations we've had on the phone as well. So um, keep fighting the good fight and uh, doing what you do. Really appreciate uh, your time and we'll speak again soon. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the You, Me and ADHD podcast. Um, My hope is that it's been worth your time, of some value, that it's been interesting or even enlightening. Perhaps. Hey, if nothing else, I hope it's been entertaining. I really appreciate you showing up. You see, I really want to do some serious damage to the stigma and stereotype that ADHD is bad, uh, that it's wrong, and that those of us born with ADHD brains are somehow broken because we're none of those things. And you can help with this too. If you were to uh, like, comment or even share a link to uh, any one of these episodes or the entire podcast, uh, just to one person, I'll be a happy little ADHD camper. And I love camping, I do. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, I hope to see you soon, Uh, stay in touch, get in touch in any way uh, you feel the need. And I look forward to chatting. Until then, Peace, love, and heaps of impulsivity. Take care.